Well, good morning. Let's go ahead and get started this morning. We want to welcome you here. We're glad that you're here as we continue our study in the book of Revelation in our class and have a great time of worship this morning. Let's begin with prayer, shall we? Father, we thank you so very much for your love and your grace. We thank you for the things that you do for us in life and for your kindness, your goodness, your grace and your mercy, which are so abundant and wonderful. Lord, I just pray that as we have gathered together this morning that you would bless us and that the classes that are taking place throughout this building right now, Lord, the Word of God would go forth with power and authority and, and the kids would see Jesus in a great way. And Father, as we open up the Bible, we pray that you would teach us. We pray that you'd give us insight as we navigate our way through some, some passages that we're not all that familiar with and, and are a little bit more difficult than what we're used to. Father, give us real wisdom. Give us insight. Help us to be able to see and understand the big picture and what you're doing. And Father, before we get into this this morning, we give you great thanks that because of Jesus Christ, your wrath is not poured out upon us, that we are in the beloved, and we are treated in a different way because of that. We know that that is by your grace. It is not something that we have earned. It is simply something that you have cast upon us because you love us. And we are overwhelmed by that, and we thank you for it. So, Father, as we study this, I pray that you would just put all those things together for us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Open your Bibles with me to Psalm chapter 9 as we start this morning. Psalm 9. Psalm 9. Verses 7 and 8. It says this, But the Lord abides forever. He has established His throne for judgment, and He will judge the world in righteousness. He will execute judgment for the peoples with equity. The Bible talks about God judging the world throughout Scripture. You read it pretty regularly. You read a lot about judgment in the book of Psalms. But as we continue our study in Revelation 8, 9, and 10, as we begin to get into the trumpet judgments this morning, <clears throat> this is overwhelming stuff. And as I was going through and preparing for it throughout the week, it's, uh, there's a heaviness that lands upon a person, I think, that when you go through this and you read it and you study it, and it's, uh, it's overwhelming what we're going to look at this morning and what God has deemed that he would do in righteousness because of sin and because of uh, the unrighteousness that is ruling throughout the world. Uh, so this is, this is serious stuff. This is very weighty stuff. This is incredibly heavy stuff. Before we start, I want to uh, briefly talk about the resurrections um, last week a question was asked, and I muddled the waters with, with my answer, something fierce, and I apologize about that. Um, <clears throat> I mentioned in the passage that, that they were going to be given a white robe, that there was clearly some sort of body given to the saints in glory um, in one way or another, and the comment was made by Susie, well, if, if, 
if the rapture has taken place as we said it was and the bodies are, are raised from the grave, then those saints have their bodies during this entire time that all of this is going on. And she was absolutely correct in saying that. And I, and I muddied those waters, and I'm really sorry about that. That's exactly what's going to happen. <clears throat> the rapture, we believe the rapture will take place before or sometime during the very early parts of the tribulation period. The dead in Christ will rise. The church will be taken off of the earth. The dead in Christ will rise. They, those, obviously, we're talking about the dead in Christ. We're talking about their bodies coming up out of the grave. <clears throat> it appears that that resurrection that's talked about in 1 Thessalonians will be for the church. That those people will have their bodies. They will be in heaven in a unique way during the tribulation period. Then as you get to the end of, tribula uh, end of Revelation, we'll read about that. There will be a general resurrection for all of the Old Testament saints. They will be resurrected at a different time. And the ungodly will be resurrected at a different time. And they will be given bodies and they will have to deal with life forever without Jesus Christ. But we'll talk about those two things um, uh, when we get there eventually. But, but that's exactly right, is that the resurrection does take place in 1 Thessalonians. There will be, believers will be in glory with their glorified bodies um, during that time period when all of these things are going on um, during that. Um, if you're going to believe that 1 Thessalonians talking about a resurrection of the dead before the tribulation begins, that's the natural conclusion. That's what, it, that's what is going on there. So anyway, I wanted to clear that up. Sorry about that last week. <clears throat> I didn't handle that very well at all. So as we get to Revelation chapter 8, we see that God's judgments are certain, they are severe, and here's the interesting thing, they are appropriate for righteousness to be vindicated. Incredibly harsh, but it is appropriate as we um, understand that this is what God is doing because righteousness, unrighteousness must be dealt with and righteousness is going to shine. So we begin in chapter 8 today. It's, uh, we're going to look at chapters 8, 9, and 10, the trumpet judgments. And as you recall, the last seal judgment, judgment number 7, when you open up the seal judgment of the, the seventh seal, that contains the seven trumpets. And that's where we are, and that's what we're seeing today. So in chapter 8, verse 1, when the Lamb broke the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. Why is that? Because things are about to get so severe. This is serious stuff. This is overwhelming, what we're going to read today and what we're going to look at. And so there's a silence before this thing begins. The scene moves back into heaven now. <clears throat> the rejoicing in heaven stops. Silence overcomes everything in heaven for a 30-minute period because this judgment is indeed an incredibly serious issue. Verse 2, And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, the seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar holding a golden censer, and much incense was given to him so that he might add it to the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar that was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense and the prayers of the saints went up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and threw it to the earth. And there followed peals of thunder and sounds and flashes of lightning and an earthquake. And so we see in, in verse 3 there, that both angels and humanity are praying to the Lord about His righteousness and His um, vengeance coming upon unrighteousness, that 
they want to see sin and unrighteousness dealt with. And we've said this over and over again, and it's important to be reminded of this as we go through this section, is that the reason that that has to be done is so that the kingdom of God, righteousness, can begin. Okay? If unrighteousness and sin is never dealt with, then the next thing can't happen. And so that's one of the reasons why these judgments needed to take place so that righteousness then can begin so that the kingdom can be ushered in. That is an incredibly important thing. So <clears throat> we see that, that that is going on with the prayers of the saints. The angels add the, their prayers to that, it says in verse 3. There's the smoke of the incense. The prayers of the saints went up before God. And then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire, and threw it to the earth, and there followed peals of thunder and sounds and flashes of lightning and an earthquake. And the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound them. The first sounded. And so in verse 7 then, we begin the judgment, um, the first trumpet judgment in verse 7. The first sounded, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood, and they were thrown to the earth, and a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. Uh, just absolutely unbelievable stuff is about to happen in what is called the Great Tribulation here, the seriousness of revelation and tribulation that is going on on earth. Verse 8, the second trumpet, the second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. And a third of the creatures which were in the sea had life died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Now, we want to make sure that we understand what Revelation is saying here. And so, when the phrases are used, like we read in verse 8, the second angel sounded, and something like, when that phrase is used, then what's going on here is that, that it is not an exact ex explanation of what's happening, but John is looking at that and he is saying that is something like so that we can kind of get a handle on it. That's what's going on so that we can understand this. So it is something like a great mountain burning with fire and it was thrown into the sea. And what, whatever this thing is, we need to be reminded that the tribulation is a time of incredible supernatural interventions. We see that all the time in Revelation supernatural interventions so something is going on here a third of the sea becomes blood a third of the sea creatures die and a third of the ships that are on the seas around the world are destroyed so in these first two trumpets we have a third of the trees and the green grasses are destroyed we have the the third of the sea becomes blood and a third of the sea creatures die and a third of the ships are destroyed just like that instantly things are happening verse 10 the third angel sounded, and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and it fell over a third of the rivers and on the springs of waters. The name of the star is called Wormwood, and a third of the waters become Wormwood, and many die from the waters because they were made bitter. And so what is happening here is Wormwood is a, a word that comes from meaning it's a, it's a bitter plant that grows in desert places. And, and so desperate will people be to drink and to get some relief from some of the difficulty of life that they will take this bitter water and they will drink it and it will kill them. And so there is a great star that falls from heaven. 
there is, there is something that's going on here, and we talked earlier, we saw with the seals, that there will be great meteor, meteorite showers that will come, that stars will be following, that it will be an amazing thing. This will be a huge one that is going to come, and a third of the water will become bitter, and many die, will die from the waters because they are made bitter. A third of it. And this thing, this great star that falls, it's like a burning torch, and it falls on a third of the rivers and the springs. And there's some discussion about, is that a third of the, of the ones that are centralized there, a third of worldwide? Obviously, it doesn't explain it here. Um, chances are it's a third of all around the world. However that's going to work out is it's going to be in, in different places here and there. But it will be so bad that people will die from the water. And so you can see that life as people know it is being absolutely changed and destroyed. Okay? Absolutely. It's, it's no longer life as we know it. The world is being judged, and it's being judged a little at a time through these remarkable, amazing events. Next verses. It's the fourth judgment trumpet. The fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars were struck, so that a third of them would be darkened, and the day would not shine for a third of it, and the night in the same way. Then I looked and I heard an eagle flying in mid-heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth because of the remaining blast of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. So the fourth trumpet judgment then is uh, the heavenly things are touched. We saw in the sixth seal that some of the heavenly things were touched. Well, we see the same thing here. A third of the sun, a third of the moon, and a third of the stars were struck so that a third of them would be darkened and the day would not shine for a third of it, and the night the same way. Can you imagine that? A third of it? it it's just, it's going it, to, it, you're not going to have sunshine anymore like we have sunshine. You're not going to have the night like we have the night anymore. You're not going to have the star, you're, gonna, you're, you're not going to have anything like what we have anymore. And, and a third of the sun, the moon, the stars are darkened. It, 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 it's an amazing thing. But here's what's remarkable about what's, a, what's going on here. In verse 13, he saw an eagle flying in mid-heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. In other words, what he said is what has just been experienced is pretty minor and mild and insignificant compared to what is about to happen. And you've read about the woes of Revelation. Well, we're about to read about some of the woes of Revelation. And the woes of Revelation are tied in with these next three ju uh, trumpet judgments. There's going to be the fifth, the sixth, the seventh trumpet judgment is going to contain the seven bowl or vial judgments. And so those are the three woes that life is about to get incredibly horrible and worse and bad, and we cannot even possibly imagine it. All right? So those are the first judgments. It's relatively straightforward there. There's nothing all that amazing. We need to understand that God is doing supernatural things. God is judging in some amazing ways. And so we see that this is what is going on, that there's a, a third of the, of the vegetation, and there's a third of the sea life, and there's a third of the sun and the moon and the stars, that we see a third of the rivers. We see all of those things are being affected in some amazing ways, and life is absolutely falling apart. And we come to chapter 9, the fifth trumpet. And this is found in verses 1 through 12. Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star from heaven which had fallen to the earth, and the key of the bottomless pit was given to him. 
He opened up the bottomless pit, and smoke went out from the pit, like the smoke of the great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke of the pit. The bottomless pit is also called the abyss. It is, uh, it is called the shaft of the abyss. In fact, in some of your versions, uh, I'd like you to turn with me to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. In Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 29. Luke 8, 29. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for it had seized him many times, and he was bound with chains and shackles and kept under guard. And yet he would break his bonds and be driven to the demon by the demon into the desert. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. They were imploring him not to command him to go away into the abyss. And so the abyss apparently was a, a, uh, was a, a place that was a, um, a holding place, if you will, for evil spirits. Okay? It would have been a place where the Lord would have banished evil spirits who maybe crossed a line or had done some other thing that God wasn't going to allow them to do any longer, and they were thrown into the bottomless pit to the abyss, and they were, they were in bondage in that place until God decided to let them go. We read later in Revelation that Satan himself will be thrown into the bottomless pit, the abyss, for the thousand years. He will be released a little while after the end of the millennial, but he will be in that for uh, many, many years. He will be in the bottomless pit, in the abyss himself. And so apparently this is a place that was... Um, a, a place where, uh, a holding place for evil, if you will. And so the fifth angel came down, and God allows, God allows the key to the bottomless pit to be given to this person. Well, who, who is this? What is this? This star from heaven. It, it, some people, um, if you're doing any reading on Revelation at all, you are constantly going to read that, that many of the time, when we don't know what it is, commentators are always going to one of the choices will always be a weapon of some sort. Okay, you're always going to read that. That's always one of the choices. It's, maybe it's a weapon of some sort because we understand how destructive weapons can be and we live in such a technological age. Maybe it's a weapon of some sort. Maybe it's a good angel. Maybe it's a bad angel. Um, I tend to think that it's a bad angel that is going on here. Um, it's the idea that a star from heaven which had fallen to the earth and was given, and, and the key of the bottomless pit was given to him. And so I think, it's, I think it's probably a bad angel. I don't think it's important who it is necessarily. And he opened up the bottomless pit because God said he could. That's the important part with a lot of Revelation. What is going on in Revelation, we may not know exactly who that character is. We may not know exactly who or what or how, but it is very clear that God is orchestrating these things. God is allowing, God is doing God is taking care of this, and God is making, putting this plan into action here. So he opened the bottomless pit, or the abyss. Smoke went up out of the pit, representing that vile and ugly and horrible place. And, and like the smoke of a great furnace, kind of belching out, if you will. And the sun and the air were darkened by the smoke of the pit. So obviously, this is a remarkable event that happens that, the, that the, uh, the sun and the air were darkened. Then the smoke came, and then out of the smoke came locusts upon the earth, and power was given them 
as the scorpions of the earth had power. So there's this remarkable dark smoke, so thick it blackens the sun, what's left of it at this point. And then we have, it says, right away, that locust came out. Okay, that then out of the smoke came locusts upon the earth. Well, throughout the entire Old Testament, locusts have been used in judgment. Okay, you read that constantly going all the way back to Egypt and the plagues. Okay, God has always used locusts to devour things. And, and when you get a, a great group of locusts, and we have, we have seen some of those down through modern history where these great big huge swarms of locusts have come and just destroy things. They're overwhelming and amazing what they do. So the question is, what are these things? Are these modern weapons? Because commentators love that one. Are they demons and symbolic of demons, or are they literal insects? You guys know where I'm at with most of Revelation. I think they're literal insects. I think that they are locusts here is what they are. I think God is using locusts here in a unique way. They could be something else. Again, what they are specifically is not nearly as important as the fact that God is allowing them to go do their thing. All right? And, and, and for us to say, well, they could be this or they could be that or they could be the other thing, okay, that's fine. Just understand that God's the one that's doing it. God's behind it. God's orchestrating it. God's allowing it to happen. Let's look at what happens with these guys, though. It says, they, Then came out of the, the smoke came locusts upon the earth, and power was given them, as the scorpions of the earth have had power. They were told not to hurt the grass of the earth, or any green thing, or any tree, but only the men who did not have the seal of God in their foreheads. Another reason why I think they're actual literal locusts. Because what do locusts attack? Well, they attack the green thing and the trees. That's what they normally do. This group was told, you can't do that. That's not what you're going to do here. Okay? What they're going to do is they are going to attack the men, and notice this incredibly important phrase, who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. Remember, last week we saw that things were put on hold so that those who belong to God during the tribulation time when we're alive could have the seal of God put on their forehead. The judgments were slowed down for just a moment so that all of God's redeemed and His own could have their seal put on their forehead, that they would be protected. We saw that when we were introduced to the 144,000 last week and at what God was doing in order to redeem people still during the time of the great tribulation. And so they're not allowed to touch these people that have God's seal on their foreheads. But look at what they were able to keep going in verse 5. And they were not permitted to kill anyone, but to torment for five months. And the torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings a man. And in those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, and death flees from them. Can you imagine that kind of stuff going on? Now, now, we don't know exactly what's going to happen here, but we know that somehow something's going to happen from these locusts or things like that, and, and it's going to affect man through a bite, a sting, uh, whatever. Five months they're going to be let loose. And if it's like a, a scorpion that stings a man, you would have stings all, around your, all over your body in some terrible ways, and it will be so bad that people will seek death it will be that they will not be able to find it. God will not allow that to happen right now. These people that do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, 
They will long to die, but death will flee from them, it says. The appearance of the locust was like, important phrase, was like horses prepared for battle. On their heads appeared to be crowns like gold, and their faces like the faces of men. They had hair like the hair of women, and their teeth were like the teeth of lions. They had breastplate like the breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots of many horses rushing to battle. There in verse 9, you get a picture that is used throughout Scripture on a regular basis. Breastplates and wings like the sound of chariots and many horses rushing to battle. You get words that are used throughout the Old Testament to indicate a great army that's on its way to do something remarkable. And they had tails like scorpions and stings, and in their tail is their power to hurt men for five months. So I think it'll be actual locust-like creatures that will be oh, everywhere across the world that will be tormenting and stinging and attacking people. Five months. People will flee into their homes. They won't be safe there either, though, I don't think. They'll do their best to, to stop up the gaps and the windows and the doors, and they'll try to find protection anywhere they can to get away from all of this. But once they get stung or bitten or attacked or whatever it may be, the agony will be so terrible and so horrible, and there will be no fix for it. And they'll want to die, but they won't be able to die at all. These locusts, they will have as a king over them, the angel of the abyss. I believe one of the evil demons that had been in the abyss being held for a long time. And his name in Hebrew is Abaddon. And in Greek, he has the name of Apollyon. And your Bible is going to explain what those are. It means destruction or destroyer is what those two names mean. And the first woe is past. But there's two more to come. What a horrible time. What a, what a terrible thing to have happen that this would go on. Destruction and destroyer and that people are being attacked like this. It's just absolutely overwhelming that this kind of stuff would happen. Okay? So God is being incredibly consistent with how he has used his judgment down through the ages all the way into the tribulation time now and he is doing that he has always warned using these kinds of creatures and these kinds of images and he has always said beware of the coming judgment and the only thing that can save you from the coming judgment is to turn to jesus christ and repent and we'll deal with that in just a moment okay so that is the fifth trumpet and it, it and it as it says in verse 12 the first woe is past for five months so here we are in revelation 9 and we have seen in 8 and 9, trumpets 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, and we can see how although life was incredibly um, got, got bad with the seal judgments, life did not become unbearable, it seems like, until the trumpet judgments. And now life is unbearable. Okay, Life is absolutely becoming a horrible, horrible thing as God is, is destroying sin and unrighteousness, and He is bringing his wrath to bear upon all evil in the world that has been there for uh, since the time of the fall. Okay? Sixth judgment, the second woe. It's found in verses 13 through 21. Then the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God. One saying to the sixth angel at the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. 
And so now we have to ask the question again, okay, so now who are these? What's going on here? And we can, we can be very confident that these are not good angels. These are bad angels. These are demons because good angels aren't bound, okay? Good angels re- obey God and they do what they're supposed to do. And so these are bound and so we can, uh, we can take from that that these are bad angels. These are demons but that is a very general word that is used throughout Revelation. And so we don't need to struggle over the fact that anytime you use the word angels, you're talking about something that is good. No, that is not the case. Angels can be bad angels. They can be demons. And so we see that in Scripture in different places. And the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and the day and the month and the year were released that they would kill a third of mankind. And again, well, that's not a good angel then. This is a demon. These are demons. And now they're going to kill a third of mankind. So, in the fourth seal, a fourth of mankind was killed. In the sixth trumpet, a third of the remaining people who are alive will die. And that's after all of the people have been taken off the earth from the, for the rapture to begin with. So who was ever left on the earth after the rapture? About half the population now is dead around the world. Okay? Now, we don't know what those numbers are, obviously, we have no idea. There's 7 billion plus people on the planet right now. Okay? So we have no idea how many of those will be taken off during the rapture. We have no idea what that looks like, but we know that a fourth of them are killed in this fourth seal, and a third of them are killed now that are remaining in this sixth seal. They would kill a third of mankind. Verse 16. The number of the armies of the horsemen was 200 million, and I heard the number of them. So this is fascinating because I've said as we've gone through this in Revelation, be careful when we hear the phrase like, when we, when we read that, that it's like the sound of, it's like this, it's like that. This, verse 16, is completely opposite of that. Verse 16 is, the number of the armies of the horsemen was 200 million, and I heard the number. So how big is the army that is a part of the sixth trumpet? I think you can go to, go to the bank with the fact that it is... 200 million, okay? I don't think it's a, a suggestion. I don't think that it's a general idea of it's really, really large because John said, well, I heard the number of them. This is what God determined. It would be 200 million, okay? That's a, that's a remarkably massive, overwhelming thing. It is the trumpet judgments that have gotten people into trouble over the years, okay? It is the trumpet judgments. It's the fifth trumpet where people have read about all of this and have said that, that you know, when you read all of the different things that it's talked about in, in the trumpet judgments, and I can remember when this was big stuff and when all this happened, these are the Apache attack helicopters. That's what these are. And, 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 and 200 million. That's China, baby. Here they come. And people got into terrible trouble with the trumpets because they started, they started reading this and they started saying, look at what's happening in the world. I, I finally have it figured out. Well, you're probably not as smart as you think you are. Okay? So where do these come from? What are they? We don't know. And be careful of being too firm about that. Okay? 200 million, I heard the number of them. And this is how I saw in the vision... The horses and those who sat upon them, the riders had breastplates, the color of fire, and uh, uh, hyacinth of the horse uh, and of the brimstone, and the heads of the horses are like the heads of lions, and out of the mouth proceed fire and smoke and brimstone. 
A third of mankind were killed by these three plagues. So is this an actual army or is this, is this something that God is doing and, and he's using some other people? You know, I mean, excuse me, is he using angels? Is he using demons? Excuse me, I didn't mean angels. Is he using the demons? Is he using some natural things? We don't really know what he's doing. What we know is there's going to be an army of some sort with 200 million. Is it going to be people? Is it going to be nations? It could be. Might it be something else? It could be. We do not know, okay? And be very careful in saying when, when the scripture is not laying it out about making a, a, a bold statement about it. We don't know, okay? What we know is the result. A third of mankind was killed by three plagues, by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which proceeded out of their mouths. So it may not be a literal army here. For the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails are like serpents and have heads, and with them they do harm. And again, we're into the descriptive idea of what these things are, these creatures, this army. It's kind of describing what they are. And so we're not real sure. Verse 20 says, The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands. We'll get to that in just a moment. So... The bottom line is, is what do we know? Well, we know that there's going to be a six-trumpet judgment. We know that the six-trumpet judgment is going to contain an army of 200 million. We know that this army is going to go out and it's going to kill about a half of the population that is left. We know that there will be, a, there will be plagues and fire and smoke and brimstone which proceed from these, and that's part of the destruction of, that is going on. And, and what does that mean exactly? Is it, is it an army? Is it war? Is it, you know, are they able to do some unique things? Again, we don't know. But we know it's going to be this incredible destruction and they're going to have power that has never been seen before and John used his best descriptive um, powers to explain to us in verse 19, for the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails were like serpents and have heads, and with them they do harm. He was trying to help us understand that this is going to be something like you've never seen before. And we need to go back to the fact that Revelation is full of remarkable, supernatural events and occurrences that God is putting together. Okay? So we don't know the ins and outs of the 200 million. We do know the result of the 200 million. And we know that it is an incredible thing, and there is death, and there are plagues, and there's fire, and there's smoke, and there's brimstone, and we know that's a horrible thing. And then we know this in verse 20. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands so as not to worship demons and the idols of gold and silver and of brass and of stone and of wood which can neither see nor walk, nor do they repent of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their immorality, nor of their thefts. So what we know is that of those that were left alive, there wasn't a lot of repentance going on at that time. They didn't say, look what God has done. What the hard heart does is says, look what God has done, and shakes their fist at God. What the tender heart does is say, look what God has done and fall on their knees to worship. Okay? They're seeing the same event. It's the heart that makes all the difference, isn't it? 
and it's the heart that makes all the difference in our life right now with what's going on in our life because we have the exact same thing in front of us right now over and over again. Look what God has done. Are you going to shake your fist at God about that? Or are you going to fall on your knees and worship God about that? Those are your only two choices. Because the deed has been done. Look what God has done. Look. Look at what has happened. Now how am I going to respond to that? I only have two choices. And if you're shaking your fist at God, then you're acting just like the people in the, in the tribulation time who are seeing the most remarkable, remarkable, phenomenal display of God's vengeance and justice that the world has ever seen, and they're doing nothing but shaking their fist at God rather than saying there's an escape to be had, and it's through Jesus Christ. And if you remember, when we looked at it a couple weeks ago, the witness of Jesus Christ is everywhere right now. And so it wasn't like they didn't know. But they saw what God had done and they shook their fist at him rather than seeing what God had done and worshiping him in an amazing way. So those are the six trumpet judgments. There's a pause now until we get to the seventh trumpet judgment. And the seventh trumpet judgment will contain the next group of judgments, the vile or the bowl or the bowl um, vile or bowl judgments. And we'll get to those as we get there, obviously. We'll walk through these chapters and we'll see the interlude that is going on and then we will get to the next great judgments here in just a little while. Verse uh, chapter 10. We're going to go through um, chapter 10 and look at a couple of things here. Verses 1 through 7. And I saw another strong angel coming down out of heaven clothed with a cloud and the rainbow was upon his head and his face was like the sun and his feet like pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book which was open, and he placed his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. And he cried out with a loud voice as when a lion roars. And when he had cried out, the seven peals of thunder uttered their voices. When the seven peals of thunder had spoken, I was about to write, and I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up the things which the seal peals of thunder have spoken, and do not write them. And so there was a mighty angel coming down. I saw another strong angel coming down out of heaven. This certainly has the appearance, and we might think that this is Jesus Christ, but probably not, because he has a little book and not a big book, and, and, and because there, there wasn't that clear declaration. But it's possible that it's Jesus, but probably not. It's probably just a remarkable angel that's coming down, and, and, a rain, and all of these things that's described here is, is going on, but it, it could be Jesus Christ. And it's real fuzzy as to whether this is or not. And, and as you're reading this, obviously you can say, well, yeah, that might be. It certainly is some indication that maybe it is Jesus Christ. And so it, it could be. What's fascinating about this is that something else is going on. And when John sees it, he's about to do exactly what he's been doing this whole time, and that is to write it down. And a voice comes and says, not this. This you can't write down. Remember that we talked about a little bit that, that uh, when Paul was talking to the writing in, in 2 Corinthians and he said, I've, I've been, into, I've been to, to heaven, I've been there, and I've seen things that, that man cannot even utter. They were so remarkable. Well, John's now seen some of that. We don't know what this is because John was told not to write about it. It's that simple. And if John was told not to write about it, then we need to say, okay, there's something remarkable that's going on there, 
and there's something fantastic that's going on there, and they're getting ready for what is happening next, and we're just not going to know until we're there and we see it happen, because all of this is in the future. So eventually we'll see it, and we'll know exactly who it is and what it is. Then the angel whom I saw stand on the sea and on the land lifted his right hand up to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things in it and the earth and the things in it and the sea and the things in it, that they will delay no longer. And again, this is why it's probably not Jesus Christ because of this right here. Okay, this sounds more like an angel than it does Christ, certainly. All right? And he swears to heaven who created the heaven and the things in it and the earth and the things in it and the sea and the things in it that they will delay no longer. In other words, let's get the rest of these things done and move on. Okay? Let's get the kingdom of heaven going here. Let's, let's be done with judgment and let's, let's move on. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, then the mystery of God is finished. And he preached to his servants, the prophets. And so what is being said here is, is simply this, that everything that has been talked about by the prophets, everything that has been talked about um, in, in Revelation, the early parts of Revelation, that things are about to come to pass now. It's talking about Daniel's 70 weeks. It's talking about what Daniel prophesied. It's talking about at the beginning of Revelation when he said these things must come to pass. And in fact, in Romans chapter 11, we read a reference to this same thing. In Romans chapter 11, verse 25, it says this. Romans 11:25 says, For I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery, so that you will not be wise in your own estimation that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come, come in. And so this is talking about that. This is the, this is the great mystery that is, going, that is being uh, talked about here. In the days, the voice uh, of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound that the mystery of God is finished, that the, the days of working with Gentiles are done that God is, is done with the church and he's about done with the program with Israel and he's about to start some amazing, wonderful things here. And he preached to his servants, the prophets. Those are the ones that laid that out for us, okay? And so what is going on here in heaven is we're about done. We're getting there. We're getting there. And we'll see that when we get to the judgments, the judgments are going to come lickety-split with the, the bull judgments, just boom, 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 boom. And so we're getting there. We're almost to the point where all of this is taken care of and, and we're about done. And that is an exciting, wonderful thing. Then the next couple of verses. Then the voice which I heard from heaven, I heard again speaking with me saying, Go, take the book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel telling him to give me the little book and he said to me, Take it and eat it and it will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. I took the little book out of the angel's hand and I ate it and in my, and in my mouth it was sweet as honey and when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. And they said to me, you must prophesy again concerning many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. The idea of this is, we see this in Ezekiel, for example. You see it in Ezekiel chapter 2. Take this and eat it. The idea behind this is take the message in, make it a part of you and then deliver it. And it's just one of those ways to express that that we see in the Old Testament and we see again in Revelation here. And so what they're saying to John is that we want you to get this message. We want you to understand this message. We want you to take this message in. We want you to realize that in order to get to the part where the kingdom of heaven is ushered in, the kingdom of God takes over, we have to have a bitter part. And then it's going to be incredibly wonderful here. It's going to be fantastic. So there's a sweetness and a bitterness. 
judgment and destruction of sin and righteousness. The blessings of God can only be achieved through that. And then they say to John, you must prophesy again concerning many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. There's more. Write this down now. And so that's what happened with that. And then in chapter 11, we begin again and we see the next things that go on. All right? So, the seal judgments. Into what is called the Great Tribulation. Horrible, horrible, horrible events. Horrible events. Okay? And yet people refuse to bow down to Jesus Christ. Okay? Sin and unrighteousness will be judged. That's the lesson. Over and over again. Sin and unrighteousness will be judged. And, and there's, a, there's a certain aspect to Revelation that is God has for centuries and centuries and centuries been holding back. And then it all comes out. And we see that in Revelation, and it's a horrible thing. It is a horrible thing. Okay? So the escape, as I said earlier, the escape is Jesus Christ and only Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. And this is just a picture of the horrible aspect of judgment because, um, you know, we're not even talking about hell. We're not even talking about an eternity without Jesus Christ yet. We're talking about life on the earth still. The escape is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. This is real stuff. This is serious stuff. And you need to make sure you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. No matter where you are in life, no matter what's going on, you need to make sure you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, that you confess your sins, that you accept Him as Savior, you believe in Him, because that's the only way of escape. That's it. Other than that, you will face judgment. And there's a lot of people that say, I haven't faced it yet, it's not going to come. It's going to come. It's going to come. Do something about that with Jesus Christ right now. Nita. Yeah, I don't think so either. I, there is a song about that. I, I will see, I'm going to see what John saw. I don't think you want to see it all either. This is... Yeah, yeah. This is heavy stuff. This is... This is not... People talk about the, the meek and lowly Jesus. This isn't him right now. This is the judge. And he's judging. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah, this is the worst thing. There's no doubt about that. We'll, oh, not next week. We won't go forward next week. Uh, next week is San Juan Bible Camp Day here at Ariola Bible Church. Phil will be sharing in the Sunday School Hour. Wear your camp t-shirts. That's always fun. Okay? So wear, it, wear your camp t-shirts. Let me make sure. Wear your San Juan Bible Camp t-shirts. Okay? No foreign camps are allowed in the place, all right? San Juan Bible Camp t-shirts. Wear your t-shirts. So next Sunday morning, we have that. Everybody will be in the sanctuary. Uh, tell people about that. He'll be talking about camp. We're gearing up for camp. It's going to start before you know it. And so we will be doing that. And then um, the following Sunday is the 7th, and Andy Carter will be teaching. So he will take the next couple of chapters because Cynthia and I will be at Sunscape serving as hosts and then on the 14th of April is Palm Sunday, and I decided that I didn't want to go into this heavy-duty stuff on Palm Sunday or Easter. 
And so on Palm Sunday the 14th and on Easter the 21st, we'll be doing different things, and then we'll get back into Revelation on the 28th of Easter. So Andy teaches in two weeks, and then we'll pick back up in the, on the 28th, because around Easter time, I wanted to talk about better things. <laughs> things are a little bit different, all right? So we'll be doing that. So that's the Sunday School schedule for a little while. Father, thanks for our time together, and uh, thanks very much for the fact that we are, we are safe in Jesus Christ. <laughs> Not only have you spared us judgment, but you have given us the righteousness of Christ. You have given us the Holy Spirit. You have blessed us in abundant, remarkable ways. Father, I pray that, that all who are in this room would be safe in Jesus. And if not, you would convict and that you would uh, save. And Father, that you would use this, that we might be great witnesses of yours, that we would tell people that there is a, a judgment coming and that people need to run from that wrath. And so, Father, uh, use this in our life. And we thank you for laying it out for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.